Before we start today, I want to tell you that the Holy Spirit loves you. I don't know the last time it was that somebody told you that the Holy Spirit loves you, but I want to remind you of that this morning. We often hear that God the Father loves us. We often hear that Jesus loves us, but we don't hear enough that the Holy Spirit loves us. He does. So the title of our sermon today is Good Morning, Holy Spirit. And our big idea today is very similar. When you wake up, say, Good morning, Holy Spirit. I got our sermon title and big idea, by the way, from a false teacher. How about that? Benny Hinn, a false teacher, a prosperity gospel preacher, wrote a book in 1990 by that title. I don't recommend anything by Benny Hinn to you. Stay away from him. Stay away from his teachings. He's a false teacher. And don't read his book by that title. But I do like the title to his book. And I think it's a great thing to say to the Holy Spirit when you wake up in the morning. It's a great way to remind yourself to have communion or fellowship with the Holy Spirit who loves you. How do we have fellowship or communion with the Holy Spirit? By being aware of his presence throughout the day. That's one way that we can experience fellowship or communion with the Holy Spirit. And it's a great way to get your heart recalibrated and be reminded right as you wake up that you are desperately dependent on the Holy Spirit who loves you. Richard Lovelace said, We should make a deliberate effort at the outset of every day to recognize the person of the Holy Spirit, to move into the light concerning His presence in our consciousness, and to open our minds and to share all our thoughts and plans as we gaze by faith into the face of God. In other words, Richard Lovelace is saying, when you wake up, say... Good morning, Holy Spirit. Recognize that he is a gift to you from God. As Paul says in one of the most mind-blowing verses in the Bible, Romans 5, 5, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Wow, the Holy Spirit is a gift from God. And he pours God's love into our hearts. That should make you want to belt out the doxology right now. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. And that is one way to experience fellowship, communion, closeness, friendship, with the Holy Spirit. It's to recognize His presence. Recognize His person. That's how you experience what Paul is praying for in our passage today. That's at the heart of experiencing communion with the Holy Spirit. 
And that's what we're going to talk about today. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit. So turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 13. And believe it or not, we have officially reached the end of 2 Corinthians. So this is going to be our last sermon in this series, Lord willing. It's been almost two years. 2 Corinthians 13, look at verse 14. Hear the word of the Lord. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So we've seen Paul pray for the Corinthians to experience all that God is. Remember, there's a group of false teachers called super apostles who had invaded the church in Corinth and told them that they had to come back under the Mosaic law, be circumcised, obey all of those Old Testament laws in order to be made right with God, in order to be justified. Then, these teachers were saying, they could experience fellowship with God and enjoy him. So Paul's writing to say, that's not true. Jesus has paid it all. Jesus has done it all. You have everything that you need. So Paul has been praying for the Corinthians here at the end to experience all that God is. All of God for all of their problems, all of their church, all of their heart. So as he closes this letter, Paul is praying that the Corinthians would know and sense the grace of Jesus and the love of God the Father. We looked at those two verses several weeks ago. But today, we're going to unpack what it means to have communion with the Holy Spirit. Now, please understand that we could say so much about this topic. But we do want this to be our last sermon in this series. So I'm going to be a little bit selective here. We could do a whole series on fellowship or communion with the Holy Spirit. We're going to keep it brief today. What does it mean to have fellowship or communion with the Spirit of God? Parents, what if your kids read verse uh, 14 in their Bible in 2 Corinthians 13, and they come to you and they say, Mom, Dad, what does Paul mean here when he says we should have fellowship with the Holy Spirit? What does that mean? Well, the first way to have fellowship with the Spirit is talk to Him. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's not an it He is not some force or energy or some weird entity. He is a person, and you can talk to him just like you can talk to your best friend. And that's what he is, actually. He is our friend. So one part of communion with the Spirit is just pouring your heart out to him. You tell him about all that's going on in your heart. All that's going on in your life, all that's going on in your family, all that's going on in your church. He is the closest friend you have. The Holy Spirit is with you. He is in you as an individual believer and he is in us as a church family. And he says to you, with all that's going on in your world, whatever that is, the Spirit says to you today, come here, let's talk. Tell me what's on your mind. What's going on in that little heart of yours? Charles Spurgeon said, The tender heart of Jesus waits to hear our griefs. Let us pour them into his patient ear. And it's the same with the Holy Spirit. What griefs do you need to pour into the Holy Spirit's 
patient ear this morning? What is weighing down on your heart right now? Well, the tender heart of the Spirit is waiting. So go ahead and pour all your troubles, no matter how big or small, into the patient ear of the Spirit. And that's all that prayer is really, right? It's just asking the Holy Spirit for help. I mean, you can do that, right? It's easy for all of us. Kids, you can get on this. Students, teenagers, you can get in on this. God's made it so easy for us to experience fellowship with His Spirit. You just ask Him for help. It's that simple. You can do that, right? Just say, help me, Holy Spirit. And sometimes... That's all you can get out is help. And you have a friend, the Holy Spirit, who loves to hear you cry out to him like that. The Holy Spirit loves you and he loves to hear you say that one word to him. Help. But you must feel your need of the Holy Spirit in order to say that little word, help. Several weeks ago, we talked about feeling and sensing the love of God, but you also need to feel and sense your desperate need of the Spirit. You have to learn the secret of simply crying out four words, help me, Holy Spirit. I tell my kids this all the time. I'm sure at my funeral, they're going to get up and say, what did dad used to say? Help me, Holy Spirit. And they'll all laugh about it because I say it all the time when they're struggling with anything. Have you asked the Holy Spirit to help you? He made Saturn. He's pretty incredible. Ask him for help. And I would say that to you today. What's going on in your world today? He made Saturn. He just spoke. God just spoke. And here's a planet. And uh, let's throw some rings around it. And you can take that little problem you have and say, you who made Saturn... Can you help me? And he can, and he will. That's, that's the prayer, help me, Holy Spirit, that's at the heart of fellowship with the Spirit. Alec Motier, one of my favorite Old Testament scholars, said this. He loves us to talk to him. He says, I want you to tell me. Please open your heart to me. Let me know how you feel. Let me know where you hurt. Let me know what you want. What do you want me to do for you? An essential part of prayer is putting our prayer into words, telling him all about it. Jesus said in one place, your father knows what you need of before you ask. Well, of course he does. He's God. But he still wants us to ask. Alec Motier just gave us a lesson in prayer and a lesson in communion with the Spirit. Number one, tell the Spirit how you feel. Number two, tell the Spirit where you hurt. And number three, tell the Spirit what you want. That's fellowship with the Holy Spirit. That's prayer. That's discipleship in a nutshell right there. We ask for his help. We tell him how we're feeling. We tell him where it hurts. We tell him what we want, and the Spirit comes to help. What did Jesus say in John 16, 7? He said that he would send the Holy Spirit. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. 
For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the helper. What a great nickname, right? That means that the Holy Spirit actually likes to help us. That's what he does best. So all you have to say is, help, and you will experience fellowship with the Holy Spirit. See, fellowship with the Spirit is not some weird thing where you speak in other tongues or you speak in some other weird language. It's not where you go see a faith healer and he swings his jacket around and slays you in the Spirit like Benny Hinn does. None of that weird stuff. That's not fellowship with the Spirit. You experience communion with the Spirit when you embrace how weak you are. And you cry out to him for help. When you tell him how you feel, when you tell him where it hurts, and when you tell him what you need. That's fellowship with the Spirit. That's prayer. That's the life of discipleship. See, God makes it easy for us to commune with his Spirit. The only hindrance is our pride. But if we humble ourselves... We can know the Spirit intimately. And it's as easy as, help me, Holy Spirit. So when you wake up, say, good morning, Holy Spirit. Make a deliberate effort to recognize Him. Say, good morning, and then ask the Spirit for help. It looks something like this. Maybe you pray something like, I pray something like this usually. Good morning, Holy Spirit. I need you today. Please help me not be an idiot or do something stupid. I pray that a lot. I really do. Give me wisdom. Help me to be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to anger. Produce your fruit in my life. Help me, Holy Spirit. I'm desperate for you. And then after you pray something like that, Ask the Spirit to show you Jesus. That's one reason he came, to show you who Jesus is over and over again, day after day, moment by moment, to remind you of the gospel and remind you of all that you are in Christ. And then, as you see Jesus, you will be drawn in to repentance and confession. You will experience communion and fellowship with the Spirit as you confess your sins and as you repent and turn from them. That's all part of talking to Him. You tell Him about your sins. You tell Him about your struggles. You repent. You confess. And you walk in the light. So you talk to Him. Another way to experience communion with the Spirit is to think about him. This is one of the main ways to enjoy fellowship with the Spirit. Puritan John Owen is very helpful here, probably the best there is uh, on experiencing communion with the Spirit. Owen said this When the soul considers the love, kindness, and tenderness of the Holy Ghost unto him, this is to have communion with him. Now, John Owen will use those three words over and over and over again to describe fellowship with the Spirit. Love, 
kindness and tenderness. Now, I bet you didn't have those words on your communion with the Holy Spirit bingo card for 2022, did you? But that's at the heart of fellowship with the Spirit. We experience communion with the Spirit when we think about and meditate on and consider His love, His kindness, and His tenderness to us. So what does that look like? Owen goes on to explain. He says, let the soul in the whole course of its obedience exercise itself by faith to thoughts hereof and lay due weight upon it. In other words, he's saying, think about these things, okay? But he's a Puritan and that's how they wrote. Think of it this way, he said. The Holy Ghost in his infinite love and kindness toward me has condescended to be my comforter. He does it willingly, freely, powerfully. What have I received from him? In the multitude of my perplexities, how has he refreshed my soul? Can I live one day without his consolations? And shall I be disregarding of him in that wherein he is concerned? Shall I grieve him by negligence, sin, and folly? Shall not his love constrain me to walk before him to all well-pleasing? So have we, in general, fellowship with him. Here's what he's saying. We enjoy fellowship with the Spirit when we recall to mind all that he is for us and all that he has done for us. How he regenerated us and raised us up from the deadness of our transparencies and sins. Listen, you were dead in your sins. You did not choose him. He chose you. He, rose, he, he raised you up from the deadness and the blindness of your trespasses and sins. You wanted nothing to do with him. And he made you alive in Christ. He did it. You owe your very existence as a Christian to the Holy Spirit. When's the last time you thanked him for that? He regenerated us, made us alive, raised us up from the trespasses, the deadness of our trespasses and sins. And he gave us the gift of faith. He caused us to believe. He opened our eyes to see the beauty of Jesus. He adopted us into his family how he intercedes for us, how he convicts us of our sin, how he sanctifies us and transforms us and causes us, causes his fruit to grow in our lives and how he teaches us and how he guides us and how he assures us and how he pours God's love in our hearts, how he testifies that we are God's children, how he comforts us, how he directs and empowers our witness, how he gifts us, with gifts to serve others, and how he gives us the desire to hear and obey God's word. We owe everything in our Christian life to the Spirit's work in our life. We can claim no credit. It's all him doing these things. If you're here this morning and you came to worship Jesus and to hear his word, it's because the Spirit was moving in your heart to get you here. That's humbling, isn't it? We owe everything to the Holy Spirit. So this is your homework for the week, Grace. To sit down 
And think about all of his kindness to you, all of his tenderness, all of his love, and then you will enjoy sweet fellowship and communion with him. This is the heart of God for you. He came to benefit us by giving us himself, all of himself, namely through fellowship with the Spirit. As Scott Swain says, the heart of the blessed Trinity is to benefit us by giving himself to us. This is the love of the Father. This is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. But we also experience this sweet communion with the Spirit, not just by talking to him, not just by thinking about him, but also when we listen to him, when we hear his word. After all, Scripture teaches us the Holy Spirit is the one who inspired the authors of Scripture, right? The Bible is the Spirit's word to his church. So we experience fellowship with the Spirit when we read and study and memorize and meditate on and hear God's word preached. Listen, the goal in Bible reading is not to check off a square that you have read three chapters a day, okay? You know, you can check that square off without reading the Bible, right? If, you, if your goal is just to check that square off, well, don't read the Bible then and just check off the square if that's your goal. The goal in Bible reading is not to check off the square. I have read three chapters a day and I'm going to make it through the Bible in one year. The goal of Bible reading, the goal of Bible reading is to hear the Spirit's voice. Let me say that again. The goal of Bible reading is to hear the Spirit's voice, to hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you, not to check off a box. You read in order to know him, to enjoy him, to listen to him. What is he saying to you as you read God's word? How is he showing you Jesus? Understand this. Bible reading and sermon listening is all about hearing the Spirit speak to you. Bible reading and sermon listening is all about the Holy Spirit speaking directly to you. Don't miss that. This sermon that I'm preaching right now is all about the Holy Spirit speaking to you and speaking to us as a church community. So you open the Bible to hear what the Helper wants to say to you. Every Verse you read, every sermon you hear is an opportunity to commune with the Holy Spirit, to fellowship with Him. So do not resist Him. Hear Him speak. In fact, right now, the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. Are you ready? Listen to Him. Hear Him speak. For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin that in him we might become the righteousness of God, 2 Corinthians 5.21. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.1. I have loved you with an everlasting love, therefore I have continued my faithfulness to you, Jeremiah 31.3. 
for I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. Hebrews 8.12. Guess what? You just heard God speak. You just heard the Holy Spirit speaking to you through those verses. You just, in real time, experienced fellowship with the Holy Spirit. I mean, you can't get any more practical application than that, can you? You just experienced fellowship with the Holy Spirit in a sermon that's telling you how to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And that was just a sample out of the 66 books in the Bible of the Spirit speaking directly to you and speaking to us as a church family. So listen to him. Talk to him. Think about him. Listen to him. Another way to experience communion with the Spirit is to worship him. When you realize that the Spirit is your closest friend and that you can talk to him and confess your sin and that he helps you and comforts you. And when you think about him and all that he is and does for you, when you realize that he is the one speaking through the pages of the Bible, then the appropriate response is to worship him and to praise him and to adore him and to be in awe of him. Again, John Owen is very helpful here. He's the best on the subject. He says this, Again, Our communion with him causes in us returning praise and thanks and honor and glory and blessing to him on the account of the mercies and privileges which we receive from him, which are many. When we feel our hearts warmed with joy, supported in peace, established in our obedience, Let us ascribe to him the praise that is due to him. Bless his name and rejoice in him. And this glorifying of the Holy Ghost in thanksgivings on a spiritual sense of his consolations is no small part of our communion with him. Considering his free engagement in this work, his coming forth from the Father to this purpose, his mission by the Son and condescension therein, his Love and kindness, the soul of a believer is poured out in thankful praises to him and is sweetly affected with the duty. There is no duty that leaves a more heavenly savor in the soul than this does. Here's what he's saying. When you think about the Holy Spirit and how much he loves you and you feel your heart warmed with joy and peace, then you want to praise him. And worship him. Owen says there is no duty that leaves a more heavenly savor in the soul than worshiping the Spirit. And that's what we're going to do after this sermon. We're going to worship the Spirit. We're going to worship the triune God mentioned here in 2 Corinthians 13, 14. And as we do, we will experience the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we will experience the love of God the Father. And we will experience fellowship with the Spirit. When you worship, When you sing, when you praise, when you give thanks, you experience fellowship with the Trinitarian God of 2 Corinthians 13, 14. And that's when you get filled again with the Holy Spirit. What does Paul say in Ephesians 5? And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, 
but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Here's what Paul is saying. When we are filled with the Spirit, we sing. We make melody. (coughs) We give thanks. We cough, right? And we submit to one another. But the million-dollar question is this. What in the world does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Because we get all of the Holy Spirit when we become Christians. Paul is not saying that the Ephesian church is lacking any of the Holy Spirit. Because we get all of the Holy Spirit that we will ever need, that we will ever get at the moment of regeneration, at conversion. When we become Christians, we get all of the Spirit. So what is Paul talking about when he says, but be filled with the Spirit? It may not be what you think. It may not be what you have heard. And it's not that you begin speaking in tongues either, okay? When Paul speaks about being filled with the Spirit, he's not talking about speaking in tongues or some other weird language. He's not talking about some weird spiritual experience where you shake violently or you roll around on the ground or you have a faith healer like Benny Hinn wave his suit jacket over you so that you get slayed in the Spirit or you bark like a dog, or howl at the moon. None of that. That's not in the passage, is it? Be filled with the Spirit and bark like a dog. Be filled with the Spirit and roll around on the ground. It's not in the passage. Paul is talking about them experiencing the love of God as the Holy Spirit pours God's love into their hearts. Let me say it again. Paul is talking about them experiencing the love of God as the Holy Spirit pours the love of God into their hearts. That's being filled with the Spirit. Now, Paul already told the Ephesians how they, as a church body, could be filled with the Spirit way back in chapter 3. You always have to look at the context, okay? Most people don't do that. They read, they, they read, be filled with the Spirit, and they try to give their explanation. Paul's already told them in chapter 3. Paul would be like, I already told you what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Why are you making this stuff up? He isn't leaving it for them or for us to guess what being filled with the Spirit looks like. He told them in chapter 3, here's how you can be filled up with the Spirit of God. In fact, he told them, I'm praying this for you. So he prays in chapter 3 that they would be filled up with all the fullness of God. And then in chapter 5, he says, be filled with the Spirit. Here's what he was praying for them. Listen, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 and 19. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. There it is. 
Paul prayed that the Ephesian church would be strengthened in their inner being, in their hearts, in their affections, so that Jesus would dwell in their hearts through faith. And he prayed that because they were rooted and grounded in God's love in the gospel, he says, I'm praying that you would have supernatural strength to comprehend the massive love of Christ so that they would be filled up with all the fullness of God. Therefore, to be filled with the Spirit means that we understand and we comprehend what is the breadth and length and height and depth of God's love. And when we feel and sense and know God's love for us in Christ, Paul says that we will be filled with all the fullness of God. So if you want to be filled with the Spirit, know and sense and feel and believe by faith God's love for you, the breadth and length and height and depth. And then Paul says, you will be filled up with all the fullness of God. And then you'll sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs making melody in your heart. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. To have the love of God poured into your heart. To know that he loves you. Around here it's what we call gospel rehearsal. Rehearsing the gospel. Rubbing the gospel into our pores. Reminding ourselves over and over again of who we are in Christ. That's it. That's being filled with the Spirit, when the Spirit of God pours God's love into your hearts. And any one of us can get in on that, right? You don't have to have a degree from seminary. You can be a brand new Christian and experience the filling of the Holy Spirit. So when you wake up in the morning, ask the Holy Spirit to show you Jesus. Ask Him to help you, to give you strength to comprehend the breadth and length and height and depth of God's love. That's how you are filled with the Spirit. As you comprehend the breadth and length and height and depth of God's love, which is most clearly seen where? At the cross, where Jesus died for our sins, where he took our place on the cross. That's where you see God's love, the apex of his love. We talked about that several weeks ago. So when you wake up, say, good morning, Holy Spirit. And then say, help me to comprehend the breadth and length and height and depth of God's love. Help me to understand the gospel that you made him who knew no sin to be sin for me that I might become the righteousness of God. It's, the, it's why we talk about the gospel here all the time. So that we would be filled with the spirit. So that we would then sing psalms and hymns to one another and submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is why we rehearse the gospel all the time, so that we would be filled up with the Spirit of God. And when you do that, when you pray that, then you will be filled up with the Spirit, filled up with all the fullness of God. So to be filled with the Spirit is to enjoy communion or fellowship with the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit is to be strengthened so that you grasp the love of God for you in Christ. Because if you're like me, there are days you think there's no way God could love me now. I've, I've gone too far. I've sinned too many times. Surely he's sick of me by now. 
I've promised him 10,000 times I would never do that sin. And I just ran to it joyfully and gleefully. There's no way he could love me. So if you're like me, every single day, you need to be strengthened in your inner being to understand the massive love of God for you in Christ. Because it just sometimes seems so good to be true. Too good to be true, right? I don't believe it. But I believe it. To be filled with the Spirit is to be strengthened so that you grasp the love of God for you in Christ. It's that simple. Even your kids can experience this. God makes it easy for every single one of his children to be filled with his spirit. You just think about all that Jesus has done for you. You think about his love for you. And then you are filled up with his spirit. It's not weird, spooky things happening. It's not speaking in tongues. It's not getting slain in the spirit by some faith healer waving his jacket around like a lightsaber. Have you seen that video? Type in Benny Hinn lightsaber and see what YouTube gives you. Paul tells us clearly in chapter 3 what it is. It's knowing the breadth and length and height and depth of God's love. Knowing that you are rooted and grounded in God's love. That's what fills you up with all the fullness of God. And then you bust out in community with your church family, with the church. You bust out in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And you make melody in your hearts and you give thanks. You cry out that he is worthy. Let's do that now. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for making us alive in Christ. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, absolutely unable and absolutely unwilling to come to you. It's only because of your love and kindness and tenderness to us that you raised us up and made us alive in Christ. You have done everything in the Christian life for us and we are grateful and we want to pause this morning and say thank you. Thank you for pouring the love of God into our hearts. Help us, we pray. Help us to be strengthened in our inner being as individual disciples and as a church family. Strengthen us in our inner being to once again begin to comprehend the length and the height and the breadth and the depth of God's love for us. And then may we burst forth in praise, making melody, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. To your glory, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.